Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Shock Your Potential. And this as a part of my coaching series, as you know, if you're listening, is I'm talking to people who actually, you know, coach individuals and businesses and help them to shock their own potential in a completely different way. And my guest today is Carol Lambert, and she is going to not only talk about executive presence, which I definitely want to talk about, but um, we're going to talk about how she really got into the passion of this, a little bit of her background, which is going to be very fun to dive in. I'm just going to give a little bit of a hint that it involves acting. And if any of you know me, I love to talk about acting. <laughs> I might even overact sometimes. So without further ado, let me introduce uh, Carol. And Carol, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. Oh, I can't wait more to dive in. But before we get in there, tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself and your business and how you help people to shock their own potential. Thank you very much for asking about that. As you mentioned already to your listeners and to your viewers, I did. I started my career as a professional working actress. I have a Master of Fine Arts from York University. I've done theater. I've done shows. I've done recurring parts on soap operas, commercials, all that kind of stuff. And about 20 humanaha years ago, um, <laughs> a friend of my brother needed some help for a presentation that he was going to have to give at work. And so my brother asked if I would do a favor and step in and help him out. And he was an accountant. And I'm like, I don't know anything about accounting. And my brother basically handed me a career on a silver platter. He said, yes, but you know how to give a presentation. You go to a million auditions. I'm like, okay. So this guy's name's Lance. And I took him through what would be a rehearsal process. Let me see what you have to say. You know, let's figure out how you're going to say it in a passionate kind of way. Then we worked for two afternoons and he went and did a good job. And, you know, for, as far as I was concerned, that was that. And about three months later, I got a phone call from a friend of Lance saying, hi, Lance gave me your number. He's now a high potential at our company. I want to be a high potential too. Can you help wow. me? Yeah. Oh so my gosh. How it all started <laughs> that I made this, um, I I'm, have parallel careers, you know, working as an actor and also now working in corporate education. So I now, after 20 some odd years, and uh, I took two years off my acting career, I went back to school to be certified as an adult educator. Um, I help leaders and their teams figure out how to increase their executive presence and now telepresence because we're all living in the box <laughs> by yes. teaching them the skills that actors use for great stage and screen presence. So that's how it happened. And that's what I'm currently doing. 
I love that on so many levels and not just because I have been a closet actor most of my life. And, you know, as a child, I was always, you know, creating my own stage, you know, in high school, you couldn't get me off the stage, whether it was acting or singing or dancing. And, uh, you know, and I, people often say, you know, how do you get up there in front of, you know, 10,000 people and talk? And I'm like, I don't know. I just love it. I don't think anything of it other than I've got somebody and I've got to keep their attention Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that they remember me and not just because I have funny colored hair, but because (laughs) somehow in that process, I say something or several somethings that make them go, wow, she's not just crazy hair. That makes sense to me. And it's really important. And, you know, when you hit that, and I think everybody can, if they are, you know, if they're helped along the way, you don't have to be a speaker to make use of these skills. This could be highly beneficial in any business environment. Absolutely. And the the obvious place that people go in terms of the idea of executive presence is standing on the platform as you do so beautifully. And I've seen you uh, clips of you speaking and you've really got this ability to hold the energy of the room so that your idea is kind of, um, contagiously communicated from person to person to person to person. So the person that has the skill to do that on a platform, it's an important version of presence. How I define presence is with uh, four different dimensions. So the first is in the heart of the word presence is that you are present. You are in the moment that you are in. At your two o'clock meeting, you're not thinking ahead to the thing that you're going to have to say at your four o'clock meeting because you're going to miss something Uh at your two o'clock meeting. And at your four o'clock meeting, you're not mentally beating yourself up for the thing that didn't so go so great at your two o'clock meeting because you're going to miss something important at your four o'clock meeting. That never happens. (laughs) So that's the first piece of being present. And so that means getting rigorous about not multitasking, really figuring out how you're going to manage your time so you can focus on each important piece throughout the day. The second piece is what do people see when they look at you? So sometimes on the platform, and in your case, you know, you shot, you're very colorful and you're magnificent and, you know, you've got your hair, that's part of your brand. But Mm -hmm. also that for people in business, it doesn't necessarily have to be on a big stage. It can be in a small meeting with two or three people. Absolutely. But that the words that you say are in alignment with what they see. So if you're saying, I'm really excited about the new marketing initiative, <laughs> you don't sound very excited. You're not so believable. You're undermining your presence so that there's a line. And this is equally weird. We're going to cut $100,000 from the budget. Like, okay, are, are, hey. you, I'm being all expressive, and but it's incongruent with the message. So what, what right. do people see? What do people hear is the next dimension. And it's incredible how interesting people will think that you are when you are interested in what they have to say. Absolutely. How are you showing up? And uh, what do people feel? And I don't mean what they feel about you. I mean what they feel about themselves when they are in your presence. That they, this is what you're so great at, that they leave an interaction with you. Even if it's one to many, you're on the stage, 10,000 people in the audience, they leave feeling better about themselves. They think you're great, but even more important, they think they're great too. Absolutely. Presence. You know, it's interesting, as you were talking, I was thinking about the first um, <clears throat> couple years that I was doing the podcast. And for the first, uh, well, about first two years, I was taping only an audio. Mm. And it, I still make great connections with those guests. And many of them I still interact with, um, you know, on a frequent basis. But the moment that I went, you know, to doing Zoom or other kinds of uh, video and audio taping, all of a sudden our connections got deeper. 
the mm. conversations got mm -hmm. much more animated, you know, there, cause it's that, that ability to feed off of each other. And, you know, we know that the world is going to be stuck in this box for a while, because even if we have tomorrow, a, you know, a, a cure and a, a vaccine, we are still going to operate differently. You know, people have proven now that you can work remotely. Businesses are, you know, taking a look at capital spending, you know, in terms of office spaces. We're going to have to live in this dynamic, but there's still a way to convey yourself, you know, in this realm. There's still a way to show that you're interested in what somebody's saying. It's still a way to make yourself stand out against your peers or your colleagues in a positive way if you're very, um, I guess, uh, aware of it, present, like you're talking yeah. about, yeah. and committed to it. Yeah. And in these one-on-one -on -one situations, I find that people don't struggle so much because they realize that it's interactive. You talk, I talk, I see you, you mm -hmm. see me. What I'm starting to see in business environments, though, is that when you get more than four or five people on the call or in the quote-unquote room, the virtual room, people... It, it, it is as if they are watching television. We all grew up looking at screens. So looking at screens is a very passive kind of thing. And yeah. that's where people's presence starts to drain or wane. And they're just listening to everybody else talk, but they're sort of listening as if they're not aware that people can see them. And uh, it is in <gasps> space where this idea of the, of the energy isn't being communicated because we're in this 2D world rather than in a 3D world. It's a challenge for a lot of people. You made me just come up with a, a random question too, because I was thinking I lead this um, kind of a virtual, well, it's virtual right now, a round table group uh, with an association that I belong to. And so oftentimes we have probably 10 to 20 people, you know, in the Zoom boxes. Yeah. And most of us in the group are, I lead the group. So I, you know, have the power of the mute button, you know, I can... I can maneuver around whatever way I want, but most of us are entrepreneurs. Most people are pretty um, yeah, uh, uh, extroverted. What I find still interesting is the um, is who's paying more attention when they want to share something. So they, you know, I'll say, hey, so you know, anybody have any thoughts on this? And you still have some of the people that normally will answer and jump in, and then you have others that are really watching because they want to share but they don't want to intrude on somebody else's time. And so I'm watching them. And the moment I know that, like, if that was you, and I know that this person over here always jumps in and I see that in you, I'll go, Carol, you look like you have something to say. <laughs> and it has been so fun to do that because then all of a sudden you're like, oh, yes, I do actually. And it's, it's creating a different dynamic, but it really requires... Um, especially the moderator to be watching for more visual cues with people yes. and trying to have balance because some people can still overrun a space and especially in this dynamic and, yes. you know, kind of pretend that they didn't know anybody else had anything to say. Yeah. <laughs> I hope none of these people are listening. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure you're a very skilled moderator in that way to make sure that everybody who might be having the thought bubble over their head. So what do people yeah. see? You can see their thought bubble that they also remember that they can be seen when they are on these kinds of calls and that that's how their presence is sort of making its way through. Uh, one of the things that I have been working with a lot of leaders on in terms of uh, running their own virtual meetings and also when I've been running my own virtual trainings as well, it's harder to, you have to earn attention in the virtual mm -hmm. space and it's harder to earn attention in the virtual space than it is to earn attention in real life. 
quote unquote IRL, as my niece would say. Um, and so every five as opposed to URL. Yes, as opposed to URL. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, but um, wow. yeah, URL good. versus IRL. They could write a whole blog on that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, but that would be a good no, title. Yeah. So tag me on that when you write it. Anyway, yeah, we're, we're brainstorming together. I like that. Um, and so you need to earn attention in five minute increments. Every five minutes, something else has to happen. And it can be a simple something. So if you have a slide on the screen and you're talking people through the slide, take the slide away so now they can see your face. Mm. Then you put the slide back up and they're looking at something else. Then give instruction to say, um, everybody still with me? Type Y into chat if you're still with me. Yes. Something as simple as that, that you give them something to do with their eyes, their ears, and their hands. Because in the virtual world, we want to make sure that their hands are not on their keyboard with another window open, answering their email while we're trying to conduct. Business. I hate that. When you look down, somebody's doing this. Exactly. And sometimes they don't have their mute on, so you hear them doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not your teacher, and I'm just leading this group, but please stop typing. That's when I'm like, mute, yeah. mute. I hear your keyboard, mute. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It is. It's tough. It's, it's a whole different world. And, you know, so I'm thinking back, you know, when you get this phone call and they're like, you know, Ivan or what, what was his name? Oh, Lance. Was the, 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 Lance. my brother's the first friend, one. Lance. Yeah. Lance. My, my brother's oh, my friend is Lance. And uh, there, there was another guy that called, a third guy that called. You can call I don't him. Know where I got, Let's call I don't him know where I got Ivan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ivan. So <laughs> Ivan, he's an old friend of mine. <laughs> ah, so back to Lance and then the guy who, you know, was like, Lance is doing great. I want to be like him. You know, what a, what a fun um, moment you must have had to think, oh my gosh, I could actually really do something with this and, and, you know, pivot a little bit or do, you know, have, a, you know, this is almost a side hustle. What, you know, what was the tipping point for you to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to actually do something with this? Yeah, it was a very practical business tipping point. He asked me how much I charged and I had no idea what to say because <laughs> I'd been working as a temp for minimum wage. And I was like, I just did my brother a favor. Like, I, 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 but I, but in the, embedded in the question, implicit in the question is this thing that I did had value. And that's mm -hmm. the big aha that I had. And so I said, you know what? You're a friend of Lance. I'll do you a favor too. And then after I worked with him, then I got my butt to the library to start to do some research about how can I do more of this thing more professionally? And that's how I found yeah. the program and then went back to school. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, then you're like, yeah, I'll do it, but you're going to give me a referral. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I actually, it's funny. I have um, a very uh, great friend and he works for one of the big, big um, consulting companies, firms. And he was, has been up for partner. And so he, he came to me, oh, I don't know, it's about eight months ago or so. And he said, you know, I've made it through the first two rounds. Um, and now I have the serious interviews and I have to do a presentation. It has to be seven to nine minutes. It can't be over. Um, I love this man. He's Greek. He talks, you know, about, he talks big, you know, so he talks long. And so, uh, you know, he came over several times and we, I, you know, just for the fun of it, coached him through it and got his, you know, got him more focused and, and everything. And, and he's actually made partner. So this is fun. Well, I said, I should have charged you. Um, uh, so you're going to buy me some really expensive wine at some point in time. <laughs> but, uh, he came back to me the other day and he's like, I think I should introduce you to, you know, somebody at, you know, our firm so you can do this more. And I'm like, 
okay, maybe. And if so, I'm going to charge a lot of money. <laughs> That's how it happens. That, that is how reputations are built, right? One yeah. time. What we do but is I retail, said, right? It's person by person by person what you and I do. It's retail. Yeah, absolutely. It was funny. And I said, you know what? I love it. You know, if, there, if there's interest, maybe I'd look into it, but I've got so many other things going on. But it really is satisfying to work with people and help them um, gain that excitement over control of their words. Mm-hmm. And not just the words you choose, but how you use the words and yeah. where your inflections are and understanding that all those pieces go in to convey a message that either says you're believable, you're trustworthy, you know, you're dependable, um, you are, you know, you're absolutely what we're looking for or not. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So to me, um, for your system, that's under H, right? Home. Honing your thoughts, honing your message, honing your words. That's where that would live in terms of yeah. stock your potential. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Oh, look, you know all my pieces. <laughs> I'm a fan. You've done um, your research. I love it. In my world, that would fall under the what do people hear? So that when you sit down to figure out, uh, in this case, this gentleman is making a seven-minute presentation to convince the other partners that he should join them in the tribe. So thinking through the lens of what is important to the partners and that you craft the message through the lens of what is important to your audience. What is their pain point? What are their hopes? What are their fears? What are their dreams? So that, that's where that lives in my framework. Well, and I'm, I'm assuming that with all the different people, individuals and companies that you work with, there's you know probably not you know this one thing is the one everybody struggles with, but I bet there are some common things themes. Are there a couple things that, you know, are, are common denominators when you're working with people that you can help them overcome? Mm. So an, a common one, especially for women, and this is unscientific, more anecdotal, but often when women come to work with me or when I'm running women's groups and we try to get under, okay, we're helping you increase your executive presence. What is it exactly that's getting in the way? Some mm-hmm. of it is imposter syndrome. Other people think that I know what I'm doing and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And underneath that, so the layer under that is fear, that they're being driven by fear. They're being driven by fear of being caught out and they're being yep. driven by fear of not being good enough. And from the actor perspective, that's about learning how to manage the stage fright. And in, in terms of the actor's world, the stage fright happens when you go for the audition, when you go for the callback, you show up at the first day of rehearsal and you're working with the star, opening night, the critics are there. You know, so there's these moments throughout uh, an actor's working journey where you have to learn to manage the anxiety and um, transform that anxiety into energy and let it be the thing that launch you rather than the thing that's undermining you and literally undermining you. Like your, your knees are shaking and you had no ground upon which to stand. So that's a very common one when I'm working with women. And um, the other not scientific but anecdotal thing that I can share with you is often when I'm working with men, it's around helping them tune up their emotional intelligence, that they are quite driven, they're direct, they say what's on their mind, and behind them is a trail of bodies that are weeping because, you know, they've (laughs) damaged every relationship that they've ever had. I'm exaggerating (laughs) for effect, but I think you you understand what I mean. So that- I know some people like that. Yeah, that really is part of your presence. Like, what do people feel after they've had an interaction with you? They might feel embarrassed. They might feel beaten down. They might feel like you think they're stupid and you're the smartest person in the room. We want them to feel equally as smart as you because that's how you're going to get people to buy into your ideas. You're going to get followership, all of those things. So from a gender perspective, those are two two big things. 
and helping people think about how to put the story together. You know, an actor's job is to tell the story. The playwright writes the story. I have writing background as well. I've written three solo shows. And teaching people um, five-part narrative structure. If you go to see a Hollywood film, there is a structure that writers learn. And then that's how we turn it into a piece of art, which now is called content. And there's uh, an invisible structure behind the scenes that's driving that forward. And so that is something that is learnable. Once you know what it is, you never forget it. And then your presentations go from being pretty good to amazing because now you have really powerful structure to hang your thoughts and message and words on. So that's kind of the third one. I love it. I've been thinking about how, um, so we, uh, in my company, we created an app. So we've got this app out there, Shock Your Potential app. And I have different elements in the app. So some are, you know, motivational, some are meditation, some are, you know, um, some actual coaching sessions. Not, not that I do coaching in a traditional way, but if somebody calls me and says, hey, you know, I've got this problem, then I'll say, let me tape it so I can put it in the app because chances are somebody else is going to know it. I have that problem but, too. Um, yeah, they, they're going to go through it. So I, um, then I have this element called the potential lab. And so that's where I have my 10 to 20 minute videos on things like, my, the one we released this week is called, it's not me, it's you, how to have difficult conversations, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I've been having a lot of fun with them. And so when I first was putting these together, I was thinking, okay, well, I've got things. I want to introduce what the topic is and why we're talking about it, my main points, and then maybe a story in there. And I said, after I was playing around with it, I said, no, this has got to be story, meet story, and then mm-hmm. assignment. And it's so fun because I just start off with a story. And so people know what the topic is kind of, but then I'll just start off with a story, which usually ends up with me making fun of myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sharing one of my worst case scenarios. And then, you know, I'm like, but this is how I do it now. This is, you know, why here's my three to five, you know, bullet points to help you do this better. And then I end with a story where hopefully I haven't screwed it up as bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I had somebody call me the other day and they go, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure with a couple of these stories because they didn't relate to me yet. Mm. And then all of a sudden you told this one story and I couldn't believe that you were just so comfortable showing yourself as an idiot. And I went, I've been that exact idiot. And I, <laughs> so I, now I went back and listened to all the other ones and I went, I totally get it. <laughs> I'm like, great. As long as everyone knows I'm an idiot and you can feel like an idiot too. We're all good. <laughs> But you've landed on a really powerful teaching tool, right? It is in the story that you make the emotional connection first, and then yes. you can give all of the reasons why, whatever the tactics are that you're sharing for how to have a difficult conversation, you know, if that's the example. And then you end with another emotional connection piece. It, it's, it's the story that um, emotionally connects us to each other. And I wish when I was leading a large team, the last couple uh, positions I had in the corporate world, I was leading really large teams, several hundred people all over the country. And in each case, each company, we were bringing together um, lots of independent businesses that had been bought up in, under an umbrella, and we were merging them to try and force them to become that happy blended family at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm training them on all new protocols and everything. And as I look back, 
you know, I did a great job like organizing all this training and explaining why we're going to do it. And I look back and think I should have started every one of those sessions with a story about somebody who didn't believe in what we were doing originally mm-hmm. and had an amazing result. And this is what they went through and then gave them the meat of the sandwich because there was, I wasted a lot of time with people trying to tell them it was going to be great, tell them how we're going to do it and having them all sit there with their arms crossed going, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I have a client who, who was you, however many years ago that was when you mm-hmm. were still working in corporate life sciences company that just acquired a smaller life sciences company and the smaller life sciences company has been successful because of their culture, mm-hmm. but their culture is not the same culture as the larger culture that just bought them. So there's a little bit of silos happening and oh, head yeah. and right. Um, and so the story that I encourage this executive to tell at the next town hall is on the lines of what you're talking about, but much more personal because he's the child of divorce and remarriage. Ah. And remarriage is merger and acquisition if there ever was one. Suddenly okay. some boy that you never met in your life is your brother and you're going to have to share your bedroom with him. What the- And even worse, a bathroom. Yeah. And that's his real story. When he was 12 years old, that's what happened with his parents and his dad got remarried. So those are the kinds of stories too that can be really powerful in corporate. And you have to be courageous enough to understand that if you risk to tell them, you'll make connection, not just intellectually with the people that you're leading, but also emotionally. And that's the thing that's gonna help you get over the hump of why people are being passively aggressive and not doing what you want them to do in the first place. Well, and we forget that often in the beginning, especially if you're in a room with all those people with their arms crossed, when you start out with a personal story, you confuse them and then you disarm them and then their defenses are down. And then they're like, wait, what? Wait, I didn't like him. I didn't want to like him. I didn't want to like him. Yeah. (laughs) But now I I kind of like him. (laughs) Dang it. Yeah. So that's, that's, he's got that's you know, the brilliance of your keynote speaker mind coming out right now, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. when you stand in front of those 10,000 people, they're like, who's this woman with the purple hair? Mm-hmm. That's the very first thing that you're going to have to do. Yeah, I know. I used to, you know, I did at least get smarter in the end. And when I would go to meet with these companies before they became a part of the family, I'd say, now here's the thing. You're going to hate me after today. None of you are going to like me. You're going to want to throw tomatoes at me. That's fine. I've had them thrown. That's why I'm wearing red today. You know, and I just go through the whole thing. I'm like, and everybody who knows me thinks I'm terrible. I'm really mean. And after a while, they're like, okay, what? Just tell us, you know, because if you don't hit the elephant in the room, exactly. <laughs> you can't just hide it behind the planter. You know, it's sometimes just put it out there and say, you may feel these things. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. And so in my system, what you've just spoken about there is being in the present moment of what is actually happening. Yes. That's part of presence. That's yeah. a beautiful example of that. So when you look back at your own career and you know all these fun different transitions that you've had, has there been a moment in your professional career where something happened, some you know important lesson, some experience that you had that really shocked your potential? Um, so the friend of Lance who called, that was one like, that really opened my eyes to, oh, I've got these skills that, and I, 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 literally I was working for minimum wage and like, being a temp in some corporate guy's office when you think you're smarter than he is, not, not to sound arrogant, or maybe I do sound arrogant, like it, this wasn't the life I envisioned when I said I want to be an actor and have a creative life. And it, it didn't feel real creative. That was one of them. But I can say that there's a, a couple of pearls of wisdom that I've accumulated over the years. 
that have shaped how I think about things. And one happened when I was really young, when I was 10, 11 years old. I'm the oldest of three and I have two younger brothers. My dad, he passed away five years ago. Um, and when he was alive and working, he worked in construction. And so no daughter of his was gonna get afraid of getting dirty. So when I was about 10, 11, took me to work with him for the very first time that I should see what he did and I should learn how to use my hands and know how to screw in a light bulb and you know not be reliant on being helpless and having someone else have to do work for me. So uh, where are we gonna go? We're gonna go to Mrs. Greenblatt's house. There's a hole in her ceiling. Okay, get in the van, go to Mrs. Greenblatt's house. We're standing on her front porch and he gives me these two pink shower caps and he tells them to put them over my shoes. And he takes two more pink shower caps and he puts them over his shoes. And we should walk into Mrs. Greenblatt's house not to make her carpet dirty. We're gonna be you know, carrying a bunch of stuff in for construction. So we carry in all the stuff and we put down drop cloths. We work all day. He climbs a ladder. I hand up a screwdriver. You know, I'm feeling so proud to be 10 years old help, helping daddy. Yeah. Day finishes, we take everything out. We load the van up, we drive home. Next morning I wake up, we hop in the van again. And I'm like, where are we going? And he says, back to Mrs. Greenblatt's house. Okay drive back to her house and we do the whole routine again. We put on the pink shower caps and we carry in all the stuff. We put down the drop cloths and it took 45 minutes. So I said to him, I don't understand dad, why we didn't just leave everything here if we knew that we were coming back. And what he said to me was, Mrs. Greenblatt doesn't hire us just to fix the hole in her ceiling, Carol. Mrs. Greenblatt hires us to make it nicer than we found it. That's every day, oh. not just when she writes the check. So, this idea of leave it nicer than you found it. When I was younger, it, it, how I interpreted that was when I'm walking around the park, I'm picking up litter and putting it in the garbage can, you know, yes. that, that kind of person. Uh, but now in, in the work that I currently do, and, and I think that I have a sense that this might be true for you too, you might not have used these words to describe it, that after people have an interaction with you, after they've been on this show, after you've been on the stage and they've attended a, a convention where you've been speaking, they leave there nicer than you found them. And I don't mm. mean that they weren't nice people in the first place. Right. They are better for having heard you speak, for having crossed paths with you. And right. when I understood that that is a way to live a life, yes. that's really meaningful for me. That is, that's a beautiful story that is really oh, impactful. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we were just, both of us listening to uh, Obama give the legacy of John mm -hmm. Lewis. So make a nod to the legacy of my dad to Harold Lempert. Yes. Um, yeah. And just yesterday I was speaking at a virtual summit and they were interviewing a panel of people for how they got ahead in their own careers. And I heard a very wise woman say that her father gave her an amazing piece of advice. And I just got chills when I heard it and I just loved it. Always behave as if you are in the position in which you are seeking. Mm, yes. So yes. how are you going to dress when you go to work? If you want to get promoted, you want to look like you're already there. You don't want to necessarily show up, you know, wearing a cardigan sweater and, you know, your hair is a mess or whatever that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't be afraid to raise your hand because if you're the VP, if you're going to imagine that you want to be the VP and you're going to be the VP, what does the VP do? They raise their hand and they speak what's on their mind. So start to behave as if you were in the position in which you are seeking. So that really resonated with me too. I love it. So great. I, we could talk forever about all of these things. Um, <clears throat> I just can't, I think I'm going to listen, think about your story with your dad for a long time because it is such a poignant statement and so 
I mean, everything is so clear in your mind about, you know, the pink, you know, you know, shower caps on your feet that he did the same thing (laughs) that he wanted you to get, you know, get dirty to wanted you to feel that confidence. But that sense of, you know, the job isn't done just one way, but the job can be done the right way. And it means that usually doing the job the right way is a lot, it's a lot more labor intensive. It takes a lot more thought, takes a lot more um, attention to detail than just getting the job done. Yeah. I love it. Well, I know we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody has to look you up right now, what's the best way for them to find you? All right. Poise your fingers over your keyboard and you're going to type Carol, C-A-R-O-L, Lempert, L-E-M, like lemon, P like Peter, E-R-T, dot com. That's my website. And the same for LinkedIn. It's my name. The same for Twitter. It's at Carol Lempert. The same for Facebook. It's my name. So you'll find me in all the places. Excellent. Well, I know you already gave us some uh, pearls of advice there too, but before we go, do you have any other last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Well, one of the questions that you sent me that you might ask that you haven't asked yet that I thought was such a brilliant question. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what it was. I'll remind you what it was. And then I'll tell you my answer because I had to think about it a lot. <laughs> um, what would you tell your younger self? Yes. That's a fantastic question. And What I would tell my younger self and might be helpful for people to tell themselves now before they get too old to have to go think back in time, celebrate your victories. So acting is the kind of work that's very project-based. And once something is done and I get the dopamine hit, like I'm the person that writes the list. I love to cross. Sometimes I'll add things to the list that weren't on the list. So just so I can cross them off the list because like I just love that dopamine hit. All the time. I do that all day long. Yeah. So then each thing that you do can start to feel like cotton candy as if you know it, it, it's gone and didn't have much weight or, or much meaning. And I think it's really important to mark when you've helped somebody and that that's where the meaning comes from. So that you have this experience of having lived not just a life where you were productive, but a meaningful life. So mm. that's the advice I would give my younger self. I love it. Yes. And you're right. I can't believe I skipped over that one. I always get there. That's all right. I'm so excited about everything else. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad because especially since you prep for it, because most people are like, you've got to ask me that question before. I can't think of that off the fly. So (laughs) hard one on the spot, actually. That would be a hard one to answer just on the spot. (laughs) Excellent. Well, Carol, it has been such a pleasure having you today. I am so thankful that we have had you and I am so glad we're going to stay connected. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.